Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com slash covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. Warbyparker.com slash covered. Welcome to Move Your Mind. My name's Nick Brax, and this is a podcast where we have real conversations with real people and give real advice. On this episode, I spoke to Melo Calaco, who's a published author, mindfulness and performance coach, keynote speaker, and corporate programs facilitator. I had him early on on the Movie Mind podcast, and it was fantastic to catch up for a second interview, learn about what he's been doing, and get a whole range of insights, especially around burnout. So his book has just come out. I highly recommend having a listen or a read of it. You can find all of the links in the show notes. And thanks again for listening to Move Your Mind. If you'd like to learn more, you can go to nickbrax.com book to purchase the Move Your Mind book, or you can join the Move Your Mind community at moveyourmind.me. Mello, great to see you, mate. And yeah, thank you for making the time to come on here. We we're just talking before we started that you were probably in the top first five of um, the podcasts I recorded. So it's great to be able to sort of a year and a half, two years later, do a follow up. It's, it's insane how quickly the time goes. Great to see you again too, Nick, and uh, good to be back again. Yeah, you're right. I think we were one of the first five when we were still playing with audio quality and all those sort of things back then. So good to be back again. Great to see you. Yeah, and it's amazing how much uh, has has happened since then. I mean, you've released a book, which we're going to talk about, and it's just crazy. Like time seems to just go faster each year, and uh, it's hard to keep up. But it's I always love being able to, you know, outside of of obviously interviewing you just check in with you and you know i think over the years we've been able to have that kind of relationship where we've followed each other's work and been able to check in on what each other are doing and you know it's great it's just interesting to sort of see see where we both go um with our careers and and you know all the different events that happen in between yeah so i think we're on a similar mission in the way to you know, support mental health and help as many people as possible so it's great that we constantly meet each other for these parallel paths here. I know you come to Australia and then you're back in Vancouver and then back in New York and I'm moving around the place. So it's always good that we reconnect and keep spreading the message. And, and right now I'm on a huge mission right now to, to help as many people as possible to beat burnout. You know, I think the last time we spoke was sort of around the pandemic time. So that was a uh, pretty raw and pretty fresh right then. But now post pandemic, after the pandemic, we're sort of coming out the other end you know, burnout incidences are on the rise and I just want to help as many people as I can. So I'm on a huge mission right now to to help people beat burnout and find balance in their life again or reclaim balance. Yeah, it's so important. And I think you did touch on it a little bit last time, but I, I think since we last spoke, it's only become a bigger issue and, you know, burnout, I, I, I think unless people learn to take responsibility and, you know, take these matters into their own hands. It's going to be really tough to combat these kind of things with the world we live in now. It's just, you know, twenty everything's twenty four seven. How do you sort of, how do you switch off? I, I find it difficult, and I'm, you know, talking about this stuff and, you know, relatively aware of it, but it's it's hard. You know, it's just it's never ending. So I think it's super important. Um, have you seen it being uh, becoming a, a bigger problem over the last period? Hugely so. Yeah. So. so- 
part of it is the post-pandemic. There was that fatigue that came out of that. So people were tired mentally, physically, emotionally. So that's you know, a very big contributing factor. Um, and most companies that I work with, you know, when I look around the room, I go into a, run a corporate seminar, for example, and I look around and I think, geez, most people just look exhausted. They're tired. They're burnt out. They're, they're exhausted. They're depleted. And a lot of it is from, you know, what we've gone through over the last couple of years. But also, like you said, you're right, we, we're just always on. We're this mm. unrelenting pace that life moves at, always on mentality, always accessible. You know, people expect an answer or a response within seconds of writing you an email or a text, and there has to be a, a cost to that. There has to be a, an outcome to that. And I do see it a lot, actually, and I've seen more burnout now in these last couple of years than I have in the last you know, 20 years of me working in this field. Um, these last two years, and, and actually, even research is showing it. It's it's nearly one in three globally are burning out. Mm. You know, recent research from Microsoft, you know, they they researched a whole lot of co- um, countries, and on average, it's one in four. But many countries are one in three people burning out. That's huge. Wow, and and you're talking one in three just across the board, or is this in yes. specific industries or companies? You're, this is across the board. Across the board, yeah, across the board. And it is it is more susceptible in certain industries, as you know, like healthcare industries and um, medical professionals, teachers. So there are industries that are more specific, but generally across the board now, one in three people are burning out. So that's huge if you think about the mass numbers of that. Yeah, so I, yeah, during the pandemic, I supported about 75,000 people in my seminars and workshops and you know, did a lot of virtual things around the globe. And after I finished that, I thought, you know what, I want to help more people. I want to help as many people as possible. So that's where you know, the idea of the book came out there because I see the I see the rise and the rise of it in every industry, and I see the people around us. You, you don't have to look far. I mean, these statistics aside, you know, just look around you. I'm sure a lot of people around you are tired, exhausted, and maybe even you know yourself a little bit. So whatever I can do to help that, you know, is um, what I'm on a mission to do right now. Yeah, and I, I want to go into the book properly um, in, a, in a second, but uh, it, it is, you know, it's something that affects me, it affects everyone, everyone you come in contact with, and you just notice that even when people are not working, they mm. seem to have a lot of difficulty not being busy or just not filling their time with have, being preoccupied. And uh, even, even when I was back with the family over Christmas and, um, even just noticing them in their downtime, my mum and dad who are, you know, very fit and active for their age, but in their downtime, it's just filled with thing after thing after thing. And I was like, gee, and all their friends, the same thing. I was like, these guys are like in their late sixties and they're running. I mean, great that they've got the energy, but I was just like, how the hell do you fill your time every minute's, you know, occupied with, with something. And yeah. it seems pretty common where we just don't even give ourselves permission to have that downtime. Most people won't. You, I'm amazed you even said the word downtime because it's not in people's vocabulary these days. It's just they just don't allow themselves to stop. People don't give themselves permission to stop. And then when they do stop, let's say they have a break, they're at, at lunch, they're having a break or at work, and a little lunch break, the first thing they do is get their telephone out and you know, start scrolling and start looking at things and filling up their downtime with more stimulation. Mm, and, mm. Yeah, and because we have our laptops on us all the time, because we have our telephones on us all the time we have our emails on all the time we are always on i had one particular client who he, he runs like 
multiple businesses, you know, multi-millionaire guy, works across the globe, works across multiple time zones. And he was quite proud of his always on. He's like, I did an all-nighter last night, Mello. I stayed up all night and I worked. And then I, I worked in the in the Qantas lounge and then I worked on the aeroplane and then I, I worked, you know, when I got to the UK. or So he worked across the UK, the US, Australia, <laughs> so three different time zones. And he was very proud of it. Like, you know, I've got this energy. He's also in his mid-50s. But his body wow. said... His body said, no more, I ain't doing this anymore, that's enough. And his body stopped producing hormones, actually stopped producing testosterone. His liver was shutting down, his, his internal organs were shutting down, and he eventually ended up in intensive care for, for months on end, actually. so um, Jeez. You, but people think mentally they can keep going, but physically we just cannot. There's a price to pay for that. I mean, that's an extreme version of burnout. Probably the worst mm. burnout I've seen. It's, it's taken us about six months to get back to functional again. Um, so you know, we don't want to wow. end up like that. We want to we want to have mechanisms and tools and techniques that we can actually you know, nip stress in the bud before it turns into this you know, burnout. I know that's an extreme case. But mm. I see a lot of that around us. You know, people just always just going, working till 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night, then they can't sleep mm. because they're thinking about work. They wake up, they're not refreshed, and they go to work, and they're just this constant treadmill just keeps going and going. Oh, and we're not, you know, we're not built to be able to push ourselves to that degree. You know, we need rest. We need downtime. Our brains aren't meant to be functioning on that level. It's just not healthy. And uh, and, and you say that's extreme, but I mean, especially living in New York, I mean, I've been there on and off for the last couple of years. I think I've talked to you a, a little bit about this before, but, you know, and you, you you lived there at one point and I'm sure you saw the same thing. But a lot of my friends there and people I've seen that are in business in those areas, it's that same thing. It's a badge of honor. They're talking about how they work around the clock. They play hard. They, you know, party hard. They just do not switch off. And half the time when I've met some of these guys, I'm, I'm literally asking them, like, how on earth are you sustaining this? Uh, and, you know, they'll have all these, you know, ridiculous answers to it. But the reality is you can't sustain that. It is not possible. And I think whenever someone, you know, something sounds like it's sort of out of the realm of when you think about, okay, that doesn't, you know, I, I personally just would not be able to handle that. I, most people, we're all, we've all got the same limitations, you know, to varying yeah. degrees. So, just crazy it's it's a you, you just you can't sustain it no matter what the result is it's like is it really worth it you know to push yourself to that level no so it's just yeah it's insane you can't keep going 24 7 i know new york's the city that never sleeps and they have you know that new york minute you know they say in new york you can do as much in a minute than an average person can do in like hours but there's yep. a price to pay for that, unfortunately. You know, there is, like you said, in an ideal world, we have this period when we're on and we're, you know, switched on and we're working hard. But also we have to polarise that with some downtime, meditation or, you know, basically parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system activity so we can have that balance. And the stress response is only designed for short-term stimulus just to get you through mm. that project or to finish that job or to get that thing done or, you know, fight and flight response, it's not designed to be switched on 24 hours a day, seven days a week without any consequence. Mm -hmm. And, so, and how, how, how much of this is when, when we are pushing ourselves to that level from what you've seen, is there a, an improvement in 
the actual productivity or in, in the outcome of that the task or whatever the job is. Because I know for myself, I've got certain unhealthy things that I'm really conscious of and I'm trying to undo, but they're so ingrained where, you know, for example, it will just be if I've got a bunch of emails and they're not important to reply to, I have to just instantaneously be looking at them, cleaning them up, making sure it's all on track. I can't stop checking it. And a lot of these behaviors that I do, I'm aware as I'm doing them that they're not actually contributing to getting any, you know, better results. It's actually just using more of my brain power. Um, You know, it's probably just burning me out further. And, And, you know, then there's also that thing in my mind when things are going well in any, when I'm on top of work, it's very hard to relax if you've got downtime in a day because automatically my brain will be thinking, no, if you take time out or if you don't find new things to do or, you know, sit here and think about it, things are going to fall apart, you know, because you just got this thing drummed into you. Society is drummed into us that if we're not grinding all the time, things won't work and it's it's tricky. So, uh, yeah, that's yeah. something I'm personally really one of my biggest issues that I want to work on, but I'm interested yeah. to see if you, you've, you know, found from, you know, the research you're doing or the work you're doing, whether what that correlation is between yeah. the actual result. Yeah, good. it's a good question and it's a problem I see all of the time. Most people won't give themselves permission to switch off and stop for 10 minutes and I try to get it across to them that if you stop for 10 minutes or five minutes or even two minutes, your next two hours will be more productive so you, you'll improve your performance. Yeah, so the short answer to that is basically there is a tipping point when it comes to stress. So re- there is the right amount of stress that will drive you, motivate you, help you achieve your goals. And then there's a tipping point where that peak performance and then it wanes down the other side and then you'll lose performance. So, And they say that that window of peak performance is around about two hours, 90 minutes to two hours. So if, mm-hmm. you're, if you're on a task, you're on a job and you're really focused, and you're in there, you're in the zone there, and you're thinking, planning, problem solving, using your cognition, they say around about two hours is maximum. And then after two hours, you'll start losing performance. You'll start, you know, Mm. your your cognition will start waning. So whatever you can do to work in periods of like two-hour sprints, work hard, take a five-minute break, work hard, take a five-minute break, because then it turns into the stress will turn into distress. Mm -hmm. Distress comes that fatigue, comes that anxiety, comes that overwhelm, comes that burnout feeling. The end consequence is burnout, basically. Yeah. A classic example of you know, someone like that would be a student, you know, a university student, let's say. You know, when, when there's no stress, let's say they've got the exam coming up, there's no stress at all, they're not worried about it at all, they're not even thinking about it. And then there's a little bit of stress starts coming, the, the deadline starts coming for the exam, so they better start studying. So there's a, that's that positive stress that drives you, motivates you, helps you achieve it. And then typically they'll study right through to the night before the exam and then they'll crash on the other end, basically. So if there's no stress, it's no good, but it's a matter of just finding that right balance. And you know, when it comes to burnout or avoiding burnout in many ways, it's all about the first step is self-awareness. Mm. Understanding, I'm feeling a bit tired now, maybe I need a break. I'm feeling a bit fatigued, maybe I need to you know, go for a walk or have a drink or do some exercise or something like that. So, But unfortunately, we can't change what we don't notice. And we get in this zone, we get in this mode, like you said, you know, emails for two hours and then you go straight into another job, straight into another job. We don't notice that we're just working unrelentlessly and then our attention will wane and our performance will wane. Mm. Yeah, no, it's super interesting. It's a bell curve, basically. So, you know, no stress, 
no no performance, you know, a bit of stress, the performance rises, but just the right healthy amount of stress, we're at the peak, but then too much stress, it tips over the other end. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and, and I guess it's a daily balancing act where it's not the kind of thing that you could probably, you know, work out, okay, I've sort of found the right balance with this and then it's all going to be okay. You've all, you've got to be like anything working on it every day, monitoring it, having that self-awareness, I, I would guess. Yeah, totally. And, and typically when you're on a big project, or you've got a big job to do, the first thing you do is let go of the things that you need the most, like your basic self-care. I'm too busy yeah. now. I won't have a break. I'm too busy now. I won't stop for lunch. I've got so much to do. I won't go to the gym tonight. I've got too much exercise. But it's usually the opposite mm, thing mm. that we need. We need to keep up our routines and our habits and our rituals so we can keep up our performance. This yeah. Is the, and that's when you said over the course of a week, you know, check in on yourself. Am I doing enough exercise? Am I eating well? Am I sleeping well? Am I taking renewal breaks? So then your performance can be steady all the way through the week instead of these peaks and troughs all the way through. So, um, yeah, very important to... Oh, you know very very well about habits and rituals. You know, without them, you know, we just get into the grind and we forget about looking after ourselves. Yeah, which that pretty much answers my next question. Which was for anyone listening to this, you know, what are some things that they can do? Would that be one of the main things? Which, yeah, like you're saying, I'm a huge believer in habits and rituals, and I think it's mm. just you know the probably the most important thing. But would you say that's um, one of the main things you'd recommend? creating those habits. Thank you so much for supporting Move Your Mind. We're expanding the offerings of the organization and we're tailoring everything we do to suit you guys and to try and answer to all of your needs and the questions that you send in. The book is available globally. You can find all of the links at nickbrax.com book. And we've just released the Move Your Mind community. We've currently got a men's community group, a women's community group, a general group. We're gonna be lo loading up other groups and you can find all of the links at moveyourmind.me. This group's been created based on the needs of what we've heard and learnt throughout running Move Your Mind. And we have live events, we've got courses, we've got huge amounts of value, the ability to share information, share ideas, work in groups together to, to grow and share your learnings, to learn about different topics. You get email reminders. There's a whole lot of features in there. We're constantly updating it and we're so excited to share it with you. You can find all of the information about it at moveyourmind.me. For, for me, when it comes to like preventing burnout and, and optimizing your health and your performance, you know, there's three main factors that come into play. The first one, like I said, is self-awareness, like being aware when you are burning out a little bit, being aware when you are tired, being aware of your energy fluctuations throughout the day. You know, are you more energized in the morning? If so, then do your hardest tasks in the morning. Do your cognitive tasks first up when you're fresh. Maybe you need an afternoon break. So that the first step is self-awareness, just being more aware of your energy and how it fluctuates and how you can. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You can take, take some control over that. 
The second step is then self-regulation. So being able to regulate in certain circumstances. I, I teach to a lot of my clients, I teach, and you may have you know, heard this too, the 90-second breath break, you know, just stopping mm. for 90 seconds and, and doing some breath work and getting out of that reactive state of you know, fight and flight response where the amygdala is fired up and just initiating the relaxation response constantly. So developing the ability to self-regulate is super important. And self-regulation can also be you know, like prioritizing your workload. Like, what do I need to do today? What do I what do I not need to do today? You know, what's my not to do list? So, another mm. another version of self regulation could be, you know, you finish work at the end of your work day, and as you drive home, you're winding down with some music, and then as you get home, you know, you sit in your car for a few minutes before you enter your home with your busy household of kids and things like that. So, so self regulate developing the ability to self regulate is the next step. So, so first, first step is self-awareness. Second step is the ability to self-regulate. And that can be through meditation, through downtime and all these other practices. And then the last one is what we're talking about there is self-care, you know, making sure that you are diligent with your self-care practices, make them not negotiable. Like it's not like, it's not like I do them on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It's like every day. Mm. Every day you go for a walk every day you do your meditation every day you eat well every every night you go to bed at a certain time to sleep well so and it's consistent self-care that's the key mm. because when it comes to burnout from what i've seen in the work that i do burnout usually comes from a cumulative effect of lack of self-care so basically letting go of all the practices that you know, serve you well, we slowly let go. And because we get busier at work, one of the first steps to burnout is actually working too hard and letting everything else go, you know, yeah. trying to improve your performance. So then to reverse that e equation is like have consistent self-care every single day. I think I mentioned before on the previous podcast, my, my morning habits and rituals are not negotiable. I start my day with a morning walk. It's not a run or anything, Chris, just a nice morning walk to get that serotonin production boost my energy, get out in the sunlight, you know, nice and quick. And then I, after my walk, I do a meditation practice, usually about a 20-minute meditation practice. And then after that, I have a healthy breakfast. So three wins before the day's even started. It's just for me. That fills my cup up. That makes me feel good. So then I can serve and work better and coach better and you know, run seminars and workshops. And that's not negotiable. I also mm -hmm. end my day with, I bookend my day with another practice at the end of my day to close my work day so I can switch off and then go hang out with the kids and my family and take the dog for a walk and all those sort of things. So these self-care habits are just not negotiable for me. Yeah, no, I, I love what you're talking about there and totally agree. And, you know, same for me, it's sort of non-negotiable that every morning I get up and do 30 minutes of, of cardio and then meditate and then, and then do you know the same thing at the end of the day have a different ritual and it just it's night and day how what what difference it makes and mm. it just it just you sort of feel so much more centered you feel like even if things do not go to plan you know you've got that routine there to to keep you in place and keep you in check and and I think you know the stuff you're talking about here it, people would feel like if they're trying to grind and put these different things off to get better results that you know taking a step back and trying to have more balance will slow you down. Mm. But ironically, it actually leads to better results longer term because it's the same thing with trying to get success in any field of work. It's not really about how much can you do in one day or one week. It's about how consistently can you show up and do the right things and 
you know, if you do that for long enough, then it gains momentum and it, it's like a snowball effect. So it's just, right. yeah, it's such an important thing. Yeah, that's right. Last year I was coaching an, an Olympic athlete actually for the 2022-21 Olympics, whatever they were, the Tokyo ones that got cancelled. And she, she was a perfect example of someone that, is a high performer, you know, doing you know, high performance in your sport, but also understood the the need or the necessity of having renewal breaks, you know, regular renewal breaks, having a rest so that mm. you know they do their sport in the morning, you know, go to the track and train or whatever it is that their sport is, but then they have a renewal break. Then they eat well. I mean, she made, she ate amazingly well. You know, her nutrition was amazing, and then more renewal breaks. So it's about just finding that balance. You know, like, yeah, like we said, we're not machines. We cannot be on, on, on twenty-four hours a day without any consequence. But if we can find that balance where we do periods of peak performance and hard work, and you know, doing that productivity or whatever it is that we're doing our work, and then we we bookend that with a bit of relaxation, meditation, downtime. Even if it's two minutes, it doesn't matter. It just takes you out of that reactive mode, and then you do yeah. those sort of practices on top, and then we can. You know, we can keep that's sustainable. You know, that's very sustainable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that. I love that. Mm-hmm. So, so tell me about your book. Uh, we've been, I was, you've been t- talking about this for a while. It sounds, you know, sounds incredible. And I've been lucky enough to sort of be here a little bit about your journey with it. So, yeah, can you give us a bit more on on that and you know what's happening with it? Yeah, sure. It's so exciting, and as you know, you wrote a book yourself, and it's. Uh, it's all consuming, like when you're in there. It all happened quite quickly, actually. Um, the publisher picked up my concept pretty quickly and gave me a, a very short deadline to actually write the book. It was only, I think, nine weeks in total to write 58,000 words or something like that. So it was pretty tough writing it, you know, getting it all together. Luckily, my family were overseas at the time. They were in Switzerland um, and, and there, so I could actually just hang out with the dog, light the fire and just write away. So um, all those months of work I, I physically have a copy in my hand right now which is pretty exciting and you know, beating burnout finding balance um so that so the idea of it the concept of it is is basically as you know i cycled around the world on my mountain bike and um you know had all sorts of crazy adventures along the way so typically it's nine chapters in the book and each chapter has a story so a, a story from my travels for example it might be when i had a machine gun in my ribs in rwanda or you know the gorillas in in um, uganda or some threats in the himalaya and typically it's the lessons that i learned on those travels and some of those lessons were pretty tough lessons around you know trust or resilience or you know rising above adversity so the lesson that i learned from that and then I translate that into a lesson or a learning for the reader. So then they can actually you know, learn some concepts around mindfulness and, and a whole range of concepts that goes with that chapter. And, um, and then there's also stories and um, other people, including yourself, um, you, you are in the book there. So I interviewed a lot of CEOs. I interviewed a lot of um, high performers and high achievers, and they're in the book there. So it's also their story too and their concepts. And I felt that really helped. The one thing that blew me away when I started interviewing people, I interviewed close to 200 people um, that had burnt out, actually, and mm. 90% of the people that I interviewed didn't realise they were burning out until it was too late. So mm. they actually did mm. Wow. And then, then they had something like a panic attack or some sort of crisis point or a medical condition, like I said, that person that stopped producing hormones. So that actually blew me away a fair bit. It's like the other 10%, 
You know, so the 90% didn't realize they were burning out. The other 10% was divided into two. One was they knew they were working hard and they, they felt the stress and they felt the tension, but they just didn't know what to do about it. They didn't have the tools mm. or techniques. And the other 5%, they actually, they knew they were working at this unrelenting pace, but they just kept going. They ignored the signs. So right. They just totally. So I thought, so I'm speaking to all these people in this book here to get it across there. So basically, in short, it's nine chapters, very implementable practices. So at the end of each chapter, there's a little practice, home practice that you can take home and you can practice and, and hopefully you know, that'll benefit you to to either beat burnout, prevent it. And by the way, you don't need to be burnt out to read it. You don't need to mm. experience burnout. You can read it because you'll also see that the subheading for it is is mindful lessons for a meaningful life. So it's also about finding passion, finding purpose, finding mission, you know, sort of introspecting and reflecting a fair bit. So, yeah, I'm pretty proud of it. A lot of, a lot of uh, hard work went into it and, um, and, and I just want to get it out to the world to help as many people as possible. And, and my biggest dream or my biggest aspiration is if somebody picks up the book and they, takes on, and they take on one concept and just practice it and do it, and it helps them and creates this ripple effect. That's all I want, you know. Really, if they can take that home and actually learn that, you know, because often when I run seminars and workshops, people come to me years later or months later and say, "Hey, Mello, you know that lunch and learn you did at X Y Z company? It, it saved my marriage, or it, it helped me through cancer, or it helped me reconnect with my children." So, you know, that's mm. my big dream. If someone can take this book away, pick up one concept or two concepts or practices run with it and it can help them for the rest of their life i love that i love that and i think it's such a you know i, I love everything you're doing because it's from the right place it's genuine you've got an amazing story obviously and you know like you're saying i think your your sort of reason for doing it and the way that you're trying to get this get your work out there to people is is coming from the right place because a lot of people go and say they're, you know, they're going to change the world and they're going to, you know, listen to my six-step process and do this or do that. But you're, you know, you've just been doing the work. You've got your own story. You're out there on the ground getting results and it's not, you're not doing it because it's about you. You're doing it because you genuinely want to help. And like you're saying with, you know, that message in the book of if someone can pick it up and just take one thing out of it, that's a win, which I think that's, mm -hmm. that's huge. It's so important. So, no, I think it's it's incredible, and so yeah, you know, thank you for including me in the book as well, and you know, very excited to have a read of it. Yeah, definitely, it'll be coming out there. So it's released in March, March the first. It's actually up for pre-sale right now, so you can buy it on Amazon. I can share the links with you. Um, yeah, yeah, first of March is coming out, and also as I was mentioning before, um, I'm in the studio now recording the audiobook version, which is quite exciting, quite quite challenging, I must say. Swallowing my words, I can't speak <laughs> of a day, but. It's another version or it's another way that people can actually digest the information so it could help as many people as possible is really my biggest goal is to, you know, like I said, I'm on a mission to help people you know, beat burnout and find balance. And if I can help some people and then they spread it on and actually probably my biggest vision out of this, the selfish part of it actually is if I can make the world a better place for my children you know, for other people, yeah, that's what I'm hoping this book is. So I'd love to. It might sound cliche, and you've probably heard these sayings before, but if I can leave this world a better place than the way that I found it, I've done my job. Totally. And, yeah, hopefully this book can actually, you know, do that, serve that purpose. 
Absolutely. No, I think it's it's a great a great reason to be to be doing it. So so like you were saying, people the audiobook's coming out as well and March first and um and where where do they go to find it? We'll put all of the links there, but they can go to Amazon, different um different sites, I guess, to find it. Amazon Booktopia, it'll be on all the regular book sites typically. It's um, you know, yep. getting out in release in bookstores as I speak now, like the Dimex um, shop will have it in, here in Australia. A lot of the airports will be will be stocking it. So I'm sure you can find it, but typically Amazon is probably a, a good place to start there and um, yeah, so share the links. That'll be fantastic. So if we can spread that mission, it'll be, it'll be awesome. I'll tell you what, really was, um, you might have gone through this process yourself when I was, when I was writing the book. So I was commissioned to write 55,000 words and um, I ended up getting so into the process and especially because my family was away and I was sitting by the fireside with my dog and my cat by my side, I ended up writing 70,000 words. And, oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then the, the publisher said, actually, you have to cull 10,000 words. And I thought, oh, my God, how am I going to do that? Because mm. it, it came from the heart. And ironically, I had to cull a whole chapter in the end. And you know, I had to get rid of a whole chapter, 10,000 words. And ironically, it was on the topic of acceptance. So oh. I, had to accept, I had to accept the fact that I had to take <laughs> words. And the book, the book is probably better for it because, you know, especially if someone is experiencing burnout or struggling with anxiety or anything like that, you don't want this big, chunky book that is too hard to ingest. So mm. you know, I think it's a nice size. It's, you know, lots of very practical tips and you know it's, it's very a lot of space in there so it's actually i think it did serve the purpose well but man it was hard to get rid of ten thousand words it was so hard to let go of but i guess it was part of the teaching that i do you have to learn to let go so, um, <laughs> it was an interesting process to to go through and, and i was mentioning to you before the before we jumped on live that you know, towards the end of the book, as I was writing the final chapters, unfortunately in my life, I had some you know, personal things where I lost a good friend, I lost my father, and you know, having that drive and motivation just to keep going and to keep pushing and, and have that deadline actually helped me in a way. You know, helped me just to keep that motivation going because you know, two people very dear to me in my life were taken from me on those final steps. But also, you know, one of the one of the chapters in the book is all about perseverance and purpose. Mm. So it really yeah. helped me to, to find that purpose you know, and to, to persevere no matter what life throws at you. So it's one of the big chapters in the book there. So it actually helped me write that chapter. So, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy all the, you know, just how all of these things come together. And, and like you're saying, I, I definitely had that same experience where it was next to impossible to try and cut stuff out because you you sort of don't, when it when it's your own thing and, and you're so close to it, it's, it's so hard to know what to and to not get rid of and you know how do you remove yourself and not have that attachment but um you know that's the other thing I was going to say when you were describing the book it it, similar to sort of what I tried to do with mine I think it sound I, I love the fact that you've got the combination of you know your story and you know that really engaging side to it by the sound of it combined with here's some really practical things you can do here's some lessons from different experts from different people that have been through different things and you know combining those two things and making it not too overwhelming having you know not over bombarding them with content i think it just makes it so much more practical and usable which yeah i think that's a so really important thing to do i agree i agree because yeah on that topic also sometimes some of these books, some of these self-help books that I pick up, they can be so boring, you know, like so, mm. so I'm, I'm into mindfulness and I'm into you know, self-help, but they can be so like, 
disengaging because there's no stories in there. It's just like facts yeah. and concepts and models and, and things like that. So that, and I'm someone that's into those sort of things and I get bored. So they're framing the, yeah. the book with personal stories and personal anecdotes and personal experiences, I think really you know, helps to get the message across in a unique way because they're my unique stories. Your stories are unique to you. And you yep. know, we share them in a different way, but they come from the heart. They come from experience. They come from you know, a, a good place. So, you know, I feel that you know, it's a much more pleasant journey for the reader to go through than just facts and figures and data and um, research, you know, all those sort of things. So, um, it really is, yeah. No, it really is, mate. And um, yeah, and another just final thing, interesting parallel from what you were saying. I just thought of um then as you were saying it but it's sort of you were saying with you know you lost your your father your best friend last year um around the time you were putting the book together it's sort of similar to me when I was back during COVID putting this book together my aunt and uncle both passed away in that same year and they were the two closest people in the world to me and it was this crazy process of sort of going through um grieving them including them in the actual book in the end and having added that extra meaning and just that whole process but just interesting the parallels of you know what we've both probably gone through with that experience of of writing a book um and and the events that happened so anyway just came to mind as you were as you were saying it i remember that yeah i remember when you mentioned your uncle yeah your uncle passed away towards the end of that book there so it just adds more depth and meaning i think to to the book and the purpose and the mission behind it in many ways and yeah, they're there watching us and they're there supporting us and you know, cheering us on too at the same time. I think it's, it makes it even more special. It does, mate. It really does. So, no, thank you for, for making the time to come on and congratulations again on the book. And for anyone listening, we'll have all of the links to uh, to purchase the, the book or the audio book uh, in the show notes and make sure you do because, you know, we'll be very knowing your work. I know that it is going to, be super valuable so you know anyone listening please make sure you do go and purchase the book and check it out and yeah thank you again mate for coming on it's always so great to connect yeah thanks nick thanks a lot appreciate it thank you everybody showing up here and listening uh, hopefully taking a few tips out of this to um, to help you beat burnout and find balance appreciate it mate thanks mate thanks to Melo Kalako for joining me today for move your mind if you'd like to learn more, you can purchase the Move Your Mind book at nickbrax.com book, or you can join the Move Your Mind community at moveyourmind.me. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.